While no one can control the future, we can become the kind of people who are well prepared for it, living in such a way that we get the best from it. This message is the third in the series, Past, Present, and Future. The message is entitled, Tomorrow's Hopes, Part One. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets as we are continuing in this month of celebration, 30 years of ministry here at Church of the Redeemer and all the changed lives that have been a part of it. By the way, next weekend is going to be a very, very special weekend. We're going to actually dedicate the whole weekend to just a lot of stories and testimonies and uh, really talking about what God has done. We're going to just be, it's going to be really, really fun. So don't miss it. Uh, Invite somebody to be a part of it as we celebrate God's goodness over over the weekend together at all of our campuses is sort of wrapping up our month together of 30-year celebration birthday. We're in this series in this month of June, and by the way, I will finish this particular series the first weekend of July because we will take a break next weekend for uh, very, very special services that we'll be having. Uh, but I want to talk to you tonight about Tomorrow's Hopes. The series is Past, Present, and Future. And it's important at times that we take a moment and look in the past. What has God done in the days going behind us? And so you have these moments, you look in the rearview mirror and say, well, wow, look at what God's done. It's amazing. And you thank Him for His blessings. You learn to remind yourself of the lessons you've learned along the way. And so from time to time, it's good to just look back just a bit, but not get focused there because you can't live in the past. And so while you take time to look back and thank God for what he's done and all the lessons you've learned, you have to move into the present. And last weekend we talked about the, the, the importance of your present opportunities. And I want to talk this weekend and then the first weekend of July about the hopes that you have for tomorrow. And the God of the Bible is the God of the past, the present, and the future. The God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. Let's say that together. He's the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. The writer of Hebrews helps us to see this as well in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, which really is the theme verse for this series. Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. Past, present, and future. And I want us to turn our attention now toward the future. It's kind of tough at times to turn your eyes toward the future because the future is unknown. You don't know what the future is. Well, how do I look at the future? I know I have some hopes for the future, but how do I focus on the future in a healthy way? And so what I want to do in this message tonight and then the next one that I'll do in wrapping up the series is to help you to know how to do what's necessary so that your hopes for the future are legitimate, positive, good hopes and not just fantasies. You know, there are a lot of people that have fantasies about their future that they never realize. Any of you know a fantasizer? Okay. They just all the time fantasizing about how awesome something's going to be and they never actually do anything toward it. They never actually create the environment that produces it. Well, I, I don't want you to be that kind of person. God doesn't want you to be that kind of person. God wants you to live your life in such a way so that you actually have legitimate hopes for the years to come. And you can look ahead and you can say, my best is ahead of me. Say it with me. My best is ahead of me. And I don't want you saying that just out of some kind of just just an adage or a nice little statement to make. I want you to have a real conviction that your best is not behind you. Where is your best? Your best is ahead for you. You've got to believe that. But to believe that effectively, you've got to make sure you're doing the things so that that becomes reality. Or else it's just a fantasy. Are you with me? 
If you are, shake your head, okay? You got it? Okay. If you don't do the things necessary, I promise you there'll be a lot of fantasies in this room that'll never be realized. But if you do the right thing, your fantasies can actually become biblical hope, and biblical hope takes you into your future. And so I'm going to talk about those things. But before I do, let me say one more thing about what I'm going to share. You can't have a future without Jesus. Okay. Everything about your future is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything I'm going to teach you uh, tonight and the next time we'll be together in this particular series is all about, first and foremost, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him, you have no hope for your future. He is your life. He is the one that can provide life for you eternally and life for you abundantly. He promised both of those things for us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. That's what I want. How about you? Because someday this life here is going to be over with. And I can assuredly tell you tonight that my best is yet to come because no matter what happens to me between now and the time I die, I know where I'm going to for eternity. My best is yet to come. Because I'm a believer in Jesus. And so I would start with just asking you that question because none of what I'm going to teach you is going to matter unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the foundation for your life. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the, what's the next one? The life. He is the one who is the giver of life internally. Now, if you haven't, by the way, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I promise you that at the end of this message, I'm going to provide an opportunity for you to give your life to Christ. Tonight can be the time that you make the decision. Say, yep, that's what I'm doing. Sign it up. All in. I want to give my life to Jesus. So uh, you can listen. Even if you don't know Jesus right yet, listen all the way through. At the end, I'm going to tell you how to accept Christ into your life and how all these things will work for you. But we're going to assume for a moment that we are a bunch of believers in the room, that we all believe in Jesus. We sang it a, a few moments ago. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the three in one. We believe in that. So we're just assuming that we're believers in the room tonight. And that being said, I'm going to give you six things tonight. If you will do these six things, I guarantee you, you will have a phenomenal future, whatever it looks like. Are you with me here? If you will do these six things biblically, I promise you it will set you up for an incredible future. Does that mean, Pastor, that I'm not going to have any problems in my future? I did not say that, okay? I'm not saying that at all. Problems are a part of life. You can't live life without having problems and disappointments and things along the way. But if you will do these six things and live these, these six ways, and I'll, I'll give you six more of the... When we wrap up the series, there's 12 in total that I'm going to be sharing with you, but only six to nine. If you'll live these six ways, I promise you, you'll be set up to handle whatever comes your way. This perhaps will be one of the most important messages that you will hear this entire year, maybe even for the rest of your life. Number one, are you ready? Here's how you get ready for your future. You've got to decide to live humbly. Humility. Say the word with me. Humility is what prepares you well for your future. Now, let me tell you what humility is. I'm going to give you a lot of people don't understand humility. They think of humility as sort of like, I'm not worth anything and everybody's better than me and all that kind of stuff. That's not humility, okay? Real biblical humility is simply this. It's total dependence upon God because you know how desperately you need Him. And so you're not trying to live life yourself. 
God, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Every moment, I need you. God, in you, I live and move and have my being. So it's a, a sense of I'm not doing life by myself. I can only do life well with God. Amen? So humility starts with total dependence upon God. It involves the proper perspective of yourself. Okay? Humility is I've got to think the right way not only about God, but I have to think the right way about me. Okay? I'm not more important than anybody else. I'm not God's gift to the world. Amen? Okay? I'm not all that. I'm just here by the grace of God. and I'm sustained by the grace of God. And hopefully along the way I can use whatever gifts that God has given me to help advance His purpose and His plans. But the world does not revolve around me, nor does it revolve around you. Anybody can say amen, right? You're, you're just one. I'm just one. Hopefully we're an important one, that we make a contribution, but the world does not revolve around us, okay? It doesn't. And so we, humility says, God, I need you. Second of all, I've got this proper perspective of me. I'm not all that. The world doesn't revolve around me, and I need you, and I want to make a contribution. I'm not worthless. I have something, hopefully, to offer, but I'm not the solution for the world, okay? And then the third thing is the right, you need to have the right perspective of other people, and that's your goal with other people, and humility is selfless service, okay? So you've got, God, I need you, I know something about me, and then I'm going to use my life serving people around me. Let's take a look at some scriptures that help us to see the importance of humility for your future. Psalm 25, 9, He, God, guides the, what's the next word there? Who does God guide? What do you, if you want God's guidance, what must you be? God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His ways. Micah 6 verse 8, read it with me. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk how? Humbly with your God. God says, this is what I require of you. I want you to live your life this way. Do justly, love mercy, and walk how? Humbly. James 4, verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor, or one translation says gives grace to the humble. And if you're going to fulfill your future Whatever your future is, if your future is going to be all that it needs to be, you need grace. Amen? Only grace is going to give you what you need for your future. And the pathway to grace is the pathway of humility. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45. This now turns our attention from ourselves to others. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, that is, wants to become. That's in your future, moving toward it. Who wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to do what? But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for me. Many. Jesus said, you want greatness in your future, learn how to serve. So depend on God, have the right perspective of yourself, and make a commitment to serve those around you. Number two, the second thing that is essential for setting you up for success in your future is you must grow continually. You must grow continually. Anybody want a bigger, better future? A couple of you do? That's good to hear, Okay. Let me ask it again. How many of you want a bigger, better future? Amen? You want a bigger? I do, okay? Well, guess what? To have a bigger, better future, you've got to be a bigger, better you. That's the only way you have a bigger, better future. You've got to be a bigger, better you. 
I don't mean bigger in the sense of size, by the way, okay? Bigger in terms of your spiritual life, your capacity, the way you live your life. You've got to be a bigger, better you. And to become a bigger, better you, you've got to grow. That's, all, that's, that's just what it's all about. You have to grow. You have to grow up. And, and growing, so you can't embrace bigger tomorrow if you're the same size tomorrow as you are today. It just doesn't work. And so there has to be a growth process. And growth is a decision that you make followed by specific actions. Here's the key that will stretch you and challenge you. That's why most people never grow. It's because they don't want to be stretched and they don't want to be challenged. They want to stay right in the comfort zone that they have in life and they want to be able to handle everything just that they're handling right now. Don't throw me any more plates to spin because if I get another plate, plate. I have enough plates right now. And God says, what do you want to get bigger and better? Here's another plate. And most people will say, no, thank you, God. I love my little world right now. I've got it comfortable the way it is. Don't stretch me any further. And I will tell you that when you get to the place in life, when you say, I don't want to be stretched any further. I don't want to break out of my comfort zone. I don't want any more challenges in my life. What you're in essence saying is, I don't want to grow. And the only way you get bigger is by being challenged. Look at your life right now. The person that you are, you know that for many of you, you could stand on this platform and say, I would not be the person that I am right now had it not been for, and then describe the challenge you went through in your life, the stretching that God took you through. Maybe it was very painful in the moment, but it made you into the person that you are. And so you have to be willing to allow that to happen. See, growth and growing, I should say, grow is a verb. It's something that you do. It's action. And it only happens when you have some goals. So I would ask, do you have any goals for your future? Do you have spiritual goals for your future? Do you have serving goals for your future? Do you have giving goals for your future? Do you have relationship goals for your future? Because you're not going to grow into something unless you have a goal that's pressing you towards something that is out ahead of you. And so part of growth is stretching, challenging, based upon the goals that are pulling you forward. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. But grow. Circle the word on your notes. What's the word again? But grow, grow, grow. Say it with me. Grow, grow, grow. What's the emphasis on here? Grow. That is action. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Matthew 25, 22 and 23. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have, what's the next word there? Gained. Or we might add the word there, grown. I have gained or grown two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. So if you're faithful with few, what does God give you? More. Come and share your master's happiness. And so decide that you're going to be a person who continually grows. By the way, growth is something that you only you can determine in your life. No one else will ever be able to make you grow. Growth has to happen in you. You say, I want to grow. And if you don't want to, it's never going to happen. No matter how many sermons you hear or mentors you have or coaches that come along beside you or great people in your life, you will never grow unless it's something you really go after yourself. Number three, anybody want a great future? Give generously. I promise you that to get to your future, you're going to have to continue to grow in your giving. You have to give generously because your future 
will be determined by the level of your giving. This stuff will change your life. A lot of people stay small in life because their lives are limited by their, 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 their lack of giving, their lack of generosity. They're always holding on to stuff. They're always holding on to things in life. They don't learn to be a giver. And part of what you learn from the principles of Scripture is that actually increase comes when you give. Increase doesn't come when you hold on. Increase comes when you give. Futures are established by giving. Ask a farmer. When a farmer gets into uh, the, the, the plowing season of the year, the spring of the year, and he knows he needs to have a harvest, he always has with him a certain, he has a certain amount of crop that's left over, and that's called his seed, okay, for the next harvest. And so he, every farmer has to determine what he will do with his seed. He can eat his seed, right? They can take all the seed, and if it's uh, grind it up and eat it and utilize it that way, and they can eat his seed, or he can actually hold on to that seed for planting season and put it in the ground and give it away, right? Now, you know it takes faith to put a little seed in the ground, right? Any of you ever done any farming before, gardening before, and you drop a little seed in the ground, and when you drop it in the ground, you have that little question mark in your mind, is anything going to come from this? Will anything ever happen? It feels like you're giving it away. And in in essence, you are. Actually, planting is always an act of faith. Every time you plant, it's demonstrating faith. And so the farmer realizes, a good farmer understands, I cannot hold on to my seed because if I hold on to my seed, I will destroy my future. My future is determined by what I do with my seed. And so every good farmer understands that he utilizes his seed well. And if you sow generously, you put a lot of seed out, what are you hoping for? A generous harvest. If you are miserly in the way you sow your seed, what will you have? A a miserly harvest, a low harvest. And so giving is key. Failure to give. Listen to me. Failure to be a giver Failure to be a giver is actually being self-destructive. You're actually destroying yourself when you don't learn to give. Let's take a look at some scriptures. Are you ready here? You want a great future, right? Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will... Now, where's prosperity? It's in your future, okay? It's not right now. It's something in your future. So a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So you see the principle, Luke 6, 38. Why don't we read this one together? Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so again, you don't give to get. It's just the principle that with God, when you give, it releases opportunity for God to bring blessing. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves. What kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. When you give generously, you are imitating God. Think about that for a moment. Every time you give generously, in whatever realm it is of life, when you give generously, who are you being like? You're being like God. 
I'll give you a, a story. Can I just share a quick story with you? This is our 30th uh, anniversary here as uh, pastors of our church, the planting of our church 30 years ago. And not long after we came and started the church, I felt the Lord prompt me, and I, I kept a little journal, a prayer list. And one of the things I, I felt prompted to pray for was for God to give us a radio ministry. I did not share that with anybody. Not, not a single person knew that my wife did not even know that I'd written that down. I wrote down, I just felt that God was saying, I want you to pray for a radio ministry here at the church. You need to get the Word of God out and broadcast. I mean, you know, there's a lot of bad news in the, in the media. You believe we need to get some good news in the media, amen, okay? Are you, and that's why we do broadcasting here. Not, not, we do it because there need to be some, needs to be some good news out there in the airwaves, amen, okay, right? Too much bad stuff, let's get some hope out there. So God put that in my heart, didn't tell a single person about it. And about four months into our, our, the launch of our church, a man that had started coming to our church called me. He was a really wonderful, sweet man, tremendous man. Not super wealthy, but he wasn't poverty-stricken either. Just an average income sort of person, maybe toward the upper end of average. And he called me one Monday morning after the weekend services and said, Pastor Dale, God spoke to me this morning. And God told me to put you on the radio. You guys aren't excited about that? Okay. <laughs> You should have seen my eyes over the phone. I'm like, because nobody knew this. Nobody knew this. Nobody knew this. But God spoke to me, called me at my house. By the way, just a little tidbit, a little bit of uh, trivia. You guys like trivia? Okay. The number that's the, the main number for our church right now, 301-926-0967 is the main number for church. That used to be my home number. Okay? Okay. <laughs> We just ported it over. So that's, that's a legacy of the church right there. So he called me at 301-926-0967. It rang early one Monday morning in my house. Pick up the phone. Pastor Dale, God spoke to me this morning, told me to put you on the radio. I've got the check ready. You go down to the radio station. You work it out with them. Whatever you want with them, you work it out. I'll pay for it. First three months. It was the first three months, okay? So obviously, I mean, you know where I was that day, Okay. Went down to the radio station, and that man wrote a check for the first three months and started something. He invested in something that he had no idea where it would take, where it would go for the future. And what's happened over the years, we're still doing radio ministry to this very day because that man made the decision to give generously so that a ministry could be launched that is blessed Hundreds of thousands of people over the years because one man said, I'm willing to give. Think about that for a moment. Isn't that wonderful? Okay. And he did it cheerfully. He was, he was thrilled with it. I'll show you the impact of that one man's gift. About 10, about 10 years ago, which would have been about a little over 10 years ago, which would have been about 20 years into the time that the radio ministry had started. There was a young man driving around the community here and he heard me on the radio and he said I need to be in that you had a heart for God and wanted to learn the word of God and, and he said I, I gotta go to that church and so he heard me on the radio came in one Sunday and sat right up there in the balcony about where these folks are up in the balcony right here and listened to me and then started coming back to church and eventually got involved in our young adult ministry and eventually met my daughter you know where the story's going right 
And they fell in love, and they got married, and now he's one of the main pastors here at our church today, Steve Rivera. And most importantly, yes, more important than any of that is he gave me two grandsons, okay? okay. He and my, da- my daughter did. But you never know what one gift. Did that man's gift set a lot of things in motion for the future? Are you with me here? He has no idea. I'm not even, I think he, he moved off, they were re- retired. I don't even know if he's still living to this day, but heaven records it for them. The people that have been impacted and the, 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 the mission of God that was accomplished because he said, I'm going to set something in motion for the future by being a giver. Are you a person like that? Is that a desire of your heart? That sets in motion future. Let's go to the next ones together, all right? Wasn't that a good story? Tell me it was good whether you liked it or not, okay? Number four, okay? Love increasingly. Love increasingly. I'm just going to talk about this one briefly. You, you, you get this one, I think. But let me talk about it for a moment. To have a better future, you need more love, not less love. You know why? Because loving people makes you a better person. Loving people makes you happier. Loving people makes you more joyous. And here's what I've watched in life. You've seen it too. You watch people go through life and it's like things happen in their life. They hit crisis points. And I watch some go this way and I watch others go this way. And I always tell them it's a crossroad we call the crossroad of bitter or better. It's a crossroad you'll hit in life. You'll, you'll You'll hit it multiple times in life. When you make a decision at a point and you go one direction which makes you bitter or you go the other direction that makes you better. And when you become bitter, it means that you begin to lose love. You get cold on the inside. You get angry at people. You get offenses on the inside. You get resentful. You get revengeful. You get uncaring, callous on the inside. That's what bitterness does to you. But on the other side of that coin, when people hit tough times or challenges in life, if you choose to become better, it sets you up with an attitude of forgiveness and growing in love. And one of the greatest things you will ever do in your life as you get older, as you move into your future, whatever your age is right now, tomorrow you'll be older tomorrow than you are today. So everybody's getting older, okay? If you're 16, you're getting older, okay? If you're 70, you're getting older tomorrow. So everybody's getting older. I want to get older better. Amen? Okay? I don't want to get older bitter. With me? Look at the scriptures. See what it says here. Philippians 1 verse 9. And this is my prayer. Paul is in prison. He's in prison writing these words and says, This is my prayer that your love may do what? abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. May the Lord make your love, what? Not decrease, but increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know it well. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So keep love going And keep love growing. Number five, the fifth thing that will set you up for a positive future. Hopes for your future is to value integrity. 
make a decision that you're going to be a person that is full of integrity, that you do the right thing, that you're the right kind of person, do the right thing in all circumstances, no matter who's watching you. If you get by with something wrong, you still don't do it because in your heart, you, you, refu- you refuse to go down that path. You have character, you have integrity, you are trustworthy. Because for people, listen closely, for people to trust you tomorrow, you have to be trustworthy today. And much of your future is going to be determined by how much can I trust that person. Your trust is a big deal, amen? Okay. Because your trust is your reputation. Your integrity is your reputation. Your, your, the way you live your life and how people know that you will respond. That is key to your future. And so what you want is people to be able to trust you. And the way that people trust you is by you being trustworthy. That there is a wholeness about you. You're not, you're not two-faced. You're not double-minded. You don't say one thing to one person and say something else to somebody else. You're not living a life that's a lie. doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means that you are the real deal. You're not phony baloney. You're not compartmentalizing your life. You're not one thing at church and another thing at work and something else at home. You don't, you don't mix up your life that way. No. You are the real deal wherever you are. You're living it out to the best of your ability. There's character and wholeness in your life. You keep your word. You fulfill your promises. It's just simply being a person that can be trusted. And your best life and your best future is built by being a person who has integrity. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8. This is on the screen. By the way, the, the translation in your verse, your, your passage is, is, is the NIV. I want to read it to you from the New Living Translation. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the, you see it on the screen, what's that word there? To the what? To the honest, okay? He is a shield to those who walk with, what's the word there? So God says, I will be a shield to the person that walks with integrity. I want God to shield me. How about you? He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to Him. uh, Proverbs 10, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks how? Securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright, what does it do for them? It guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Have you known folks that have been destroyed by their duplicity? You build your future on your character. So become decided, I'm going to be a person of character. I'm going to be a person who's trustworthy. And the last one here today is that you must gain wisdom intentionally. To have the, your best future, be able to say, my best is ahead of me, not behind me. You make the decision every day, I'm going to gain wisdom intentionally. Your future will only be more successful than your past or more successful than your present if and only if you're wiser tomorrow than you are today. Do you hear what I said? Let me say it again. Your future will only be more successful, more prosperous, more blessed, more successful. Your future will only be that if and only if you are wiser tomorrow than you are today. 
That's the only way you're going to improve your life because wisdom is what improves your capacity to have judgment and judgment is what gives you the ability to make decisions, this judgment, discretion, discernment, all those things go along with a mindset of learning and gaining wisdom in your life. So I want to gain wisdom. See, my future is being shaped by my choices and so the wiser I can become in making choices, the better future I will have. Proverbs 14, verse number 12. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Well, you listen closely. If you're not gaining wisdom in your life, other people can fool you, or even worse than yet, that you can fool yourself and think you're on the right path when you're not. Do you hear what I said? When you're not growing in wisdom, you can think you're wise when you're actually a fool. That's what the scripture says. There's a way that seems or appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so that's why wisdom is so important because wisdom comes in as an objective force into us and reveals to us the foolishness of other people, but more importantly, the foolishness of our own thinking. And so wisdom is what gets you on the pathway again of right decisions. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Learn to live your life in a way that I'm choosing wisdom to live for God's glory. Every decision, key decision matters. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does right, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Learn how to separate between light and darkness and the influences you allow into your life. And so we're going to stop there. Let's go over what we've talked about so far tonight. How many of you want a great future? You want your hopes to come to? I do. I want a great future. I'm looking forward. I believe that your best is not behind you. I believe your best is ahead of you. But for that to become more than a fantasy, for it to become a reality, what must you do? There's some choices. You have to live how? What's the first one? Say it with me. You must live how? Humbly. The second thing you must grow how? Content. Keep stretching my life. Thirdly, you have to give how? Generously. That's got to grow in your life. Fourthly, you've got to love how? Increasingly. You've got to grow in love. Fifthly, what do you value? Integrity. You're going to live a life of integrity. And finally, what are you going to do? Gain wisdom how? Intentionally. If you will live that way, you're set up to begin to move into your future in an incredible way. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for speaking to us. We pray you'll take this message and remind us of it consistently. Let us prepare ourselves now for the amazing future you have for us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.